Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am here today with Ian Smith. You may know him as the owner of Attila's Gym in Belmar, New Jersey. I'm actually from New Jersey, um, but (laughs) North, Englewood Cliffs. But uh, yeah, and he did the really brave, courageous thing that many wish they had done, which was just say no and not comply with the ridiculous government mandates. <laughs> so he is a hero <laughs> to many of us <laughs> and uh, we are very grateful for his example. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. he's also running for Congress and he has a potential book release. So I'm super excited to have you here with us today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me on the show. Excited to be here. <laughs> awesome. So let's start with just a little background of your story for those who are not as familiar. You can give me just like a brief overview of who you uh, are. Yeah. So, so about two and a half years ago, I was an obscure gym owner from South <laughs> Jersey, who uh, just a, a small business entrepreneur. Um, I've been in the fitness space now for about 12 years, um, starting out as a personal trainer, uh, but working pretty much every job in the industry, uh, in gyms, in coaching and athletics. Yeah. And uh, eventually I decided that I was going to go out on my own. I opened my own personal training company, uh, started training out of the back of my car with just some uh, some cheap dumbbells that I sort of bought at like TJ Maxx and a yoga mat out in parks. And that grew very quickly. And um, I eventually had to establish a home base. So I opened up a personal training studio. And uh, about three years later, I went into business with a, um, a partner of mine or a friend of mine at the time. Uh, and we bought Attila's Gym which um, was at the time a dumpster fire of a gym. It was just very neglected. Um, gyms are a dime a dozen these days, especially in the, in the mid range of like the $30 a month locations. Um, so if you're not there giving it the love and attention that it needs, um, people are gonna take their business somewhere else to a more exciting environment. So my business partner and I knew that and um, we went all in on, on a business that was about three months behind on all its bills. And we worked really, really hard um because we knew that all it needed was just some love and attention and a change of environment and to build a community and uh, we did that from day one and we were successful right from the gate we paid our bills the first month and we were growing exponentially um and then just like everybody remembers you heard the whispers of this uh novel bat soup virus uh from china um and then those whispers sort of grew and then they grew and then uh you know everybody knows the story 
next thing you know, 14 days to slow the spread uh, turned very quickly into much more than that. And uh, my business partner and I, you know, we were only about nine months in. So uh, shutting down our business at all was a very scary thing that we were extremely skeptical of to begin with. You know, um, I wasn't super politically involved at the time, but I do know my politics. Um, I've been in and out of paying attention to politics for years, just getting kind of jaded and stepping away from them and then coming back. And um, it was at a time where I wasn't really paying attention to politics. I think everybody was kind of feeling good under those uh, short President Trump years where business was good. And um, But I was very skeptical and so was my business partner. Um, we didn't want to shut down, but unfortunately we didn't know enough at the time to stay open. You know, there was a lot of um, conflicting information about the deadly uh, virus and, and the not so deadly virus. And, so we decided we would shut down, um, but we we were very had plenty to do at the time. The gym still needed a lot of work, so we kept working. And very quickly, things just didn't add up for us. Um, you know, driving to Attilus on those first days where the highways were just empty and it was like a ghost town um, of New Jersey and around the uh, excuse me around the country. Um, you know, driving by the WalMarts and the Home Depots and just seeing that like these parking lots were literally filled with people. You know, but my small business and the ones in the strip mall with me weren't allowed to do business. And it, it was just a very unsettling feeling that uh, neither of us liked. And very quickly, you know, we wanted to understand two things. We wanted to understand why we were being shut down. So we wanted to understand the coronavirus um, and why it was this, this big thing. Um, and we wanted to understand who was shutting us down. So we paid attention to the science and the politics and just very quickly, there was just way too many holes in the story, way too much conflicting information, way too much stuff that just seemed a bit outlandish um, for what we were seeing. You know, when they're telling you that people are dropping dead in the streets, but you're seeing Walmart packed full of people, it just wasn't adding up. So, yeah. uh, you know, we decided on day 11 when they passed the $2.6 trillion economic stimulus bill, the single largest stimulus bill, spending bill that, that this country has ever seen. Um, you know, and, and I always like to put that in reference to people. Um, you know, like we, we can't even really conceptualize what a trillion means, um, you know, and it's, we use this one uh, thing all the time. And is if you were to count, you know, by seconds, um, you know, how long would it take you to get to a trillion? Um, and most people, when they guess are wildly off uh, because it's 35,000 years, um, you know, so that's one trillion. Um, and they just printed up, you know, 2.6 trillion and we looked at the bill and it was just not making sense. You know, it was supposed to be Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A 14-day shutdown, they were giving money away. They were suspending rent payments. Um, you know, so we said, all right, enough is enough. You're not going to, you know, and we were watching the whole time. We were watching businesses go under left and right in the community. Mm. So we said, not us. Um, this doesn't feel right. Um, we're not going to be victim of somebody's BS. Um, mm. And we don't want anybody else to be. So... We decided to reopen, but we did so um, very cautiously. We spent the next six weeks create, creating a, a safety protocol 
where we looked around at what everybody else was doing, the quote unquote, the essential businesses, what were government buildings doing, what were hospitals doing, what was the CDC recommending, the WHO, what was the NIH recommending, PubMed.gov, anything that we could learn. And we went so far above and beyond with this safety protocol that uh, the idea was it would be ludicrous to come into our business and say, well, you're not allowed to stay open, but Walmart down the street, as long as we're walking up and down one way on the aisles and you know, wiping the front of our cart with a Lysol wipe and, and throwing a surgical mask on, everything's okay. So we did that. And um, about seven weeks in, I made an announcement on my Instagram, which you know, at the time was had a, you know, a small following and it's about 15,000 people or something like that you know, in the fitness space and a lot of local people tuning in. And I made an eight minute video. Um, I typed it up probably 60 times and trashed the whole thing because I was so, I wanted to get it right. And I wanted to explain that like, hey, we're not here to cause trouble. Like you guys told us 14 days and you know, it's been seven weeks and you're not talking about opening businesses. You're just rattling off, you know, just things like saying science and data, but not providing any and just fear mongering. There was never any talk of solutions. It was just more and more fear. So, you know, the, uh, the video was the, the who we were, uh, what we wanted to do, why we wanted to do it, and how we were going to do it. And uh, that caught the attention of a, a gentleman named Tucker Carlson, yeah. who <laughs> called me about two days later um, and said, do you want to come on my show? And I said, absolutely, <laughs> I'll be there. Tell me when. He said, two hours. Um, so I dropped everything I was doing and I went and I announced uh, in front of the world uh, one week to the day that we were going to reopen our gym the following Monday and that there was absolutely nothing that was going to stop us from doing so. And uh, so we did. And what ensued was a, uh, a two and a half year battle with the state of New Jersey that started with municipal citations and health department orders to close. Um, and just continued to escalate to the point of, you know, government intervention with our sewage, our electric, um, the locking of our doors, uh, Frank and I being arrested, Frank's my business partner, um, some of our members being arrested, being followed home, harassed by the police, and uh, it got worse. A judge got involved. There was a court order to shut down. They, they physically changed the locks on our building. We picked them and went back in. Um, there were numerous, you know, numerous arrests involved. Um, and then there was fines that came and they were levying $15,000 a day fines for us being open. They were taking money directly out of our bank account, even though we weren't charging people and people were donating uh, in the middle of ongoing litigation. Um, and it just grew and grew and grew um, into this absurd fight where neither side would back down. Um, and all said, we accumulated about $2 million in fines. Um, we're still in court. Um, we were, we wound up being in five different courts. We wrapped up two of them. We have three remaining, um, but we stayed open. They, uh, they wound up stripping us of our business license. And one of the major court victories that we did have is that we got that back. So we didn't charge members for two years. We stayed open, um, based on donations of kind people in the community and around the country. We sold t-shirts, uh, and sold them not only around the country, but to 18, 18 different countries around the I world. One. <laughs> yeah. And so many people did. It was one of the most amazing things. Um, you know, it started out like we didn't even have t-shirts. We had like a couple of like a small rack. And, you know, once the, the fight kicked off, it just kept growing. You know, people, people really gave us what we needed to stay open. I mean, we were the tip of the spear. We were the battering ram at the front. But had it just been, you know, my partner and I and the members of our gym and, and the local community, we wouldn't have had the, 
the social firepower or the financial means to fight this. Um, but every time the government would escalate it, they would either piss people off more or they would piss more people off. Um, and it just kept growing and growing and growing and people didn't let the story die even when the media turned their backs and, and moved on to BLM or whatever the next thing was. Um, you know, they'd always kind of circle back, but social media really took off and people shared the story and they bought t-shirts and they traveled from, I think, I think we've had somebody from all 50 states. Uh, there, was a, there was a point where in the height of the lockdowns, any given day, there was people from eight different states as far north as Connecticut um, and as far south as like Virginia and North Carolina, people were coming from middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, just to get a workout in and slap a 20 on the desk and buy a t-shirt and, and go on their way. So um, it got us through, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel is still a little bit of a ways off, but we are back in business as a normal business. We stayed open they never successfully shut our doors. We stopped counting. We had, uh, we had a counter going on waiting for a case of COVID and we hit 500,000 and stopped counting, but we have a a stack of contact tracing slips that we voluntarily put in place just to prove a point. They're sitting now in public storage. Uh, no public official has come and look at them yet. Um, but yeah, it's been a wild ride. And in the process, there was a lot of ups and downs. But like I said, um, we really got to witness the idea of, you know, we the people, where mm -hmm. no matter what the government threw at us, um, we just, we, we wouldn't back down and people wouldn't, um, People wouldn't stop. You know, we spent over half a million dollars in legal fees, and uh, you know that's more than that's more than we bill in a given year. Um, but people were kind to us, and they've continued to be really kind, and they they got us through it. As long as we were willing to be the ones to uh, to use our hard heads to bash through the door, um, you know, and we successfully at the end of the day, I like to call it, we kept the wolves at bay. Um, you know there's still ongoing litigation and we could get like a really, really big victory and maybe uh, set a precedent that stuff like this can't be done again. Um, but at the very least, you know, we kept our business open uh, with both middle fingers up and um, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't let them get an inch. Um, and it was arguably the best thing that we've ever done. Uh, it was the hardest thing we've ever done, but it was by far one of the most rewarding things. We met some amazing people um, and uh, you know, we didn't lose our business to a bunch of tyrants who didn't follow their own rules. Yeah. Wow. What a story. And so that was, that was, that was the short version. That was the short version, <laughs> right? <laughs> so inspiring really. And just a, such a testament to the opportunities of this country and, you know, somebody who wants to follow their dream, put in the work, you know, and really, uh, and persist. And you did all of that. So I feel like you really are kind of that example of, you know, what they call the American dream. So yeah, a really, really amazing. Um, I'm curious, so you're open now and are things, you're still in litigation though? That's where things are yeah. right now. Okay. Yeah, we're still in litigation in three out of the two, uh, three out of the five courts. So okay. you know, we wound up being charged criminally, which was absolutely ludicrous. Um, but we, uh, we handled that. Um, we had another, another thing going on. I, gosh, I don't even remember at this point. Um, and then we have municipal charges that are two years old that have still never seen a court date, uh, somewhere around 90 municipal citations. So they'll, they'll eventually get dismissed. You know, they, these people just like to drag things out. It's yeah. absolutely incredible how fast the courts will move against you. 
um, and how absolutely slow they will move when you move against them. Um, but you know, that's, that's unfortunately part of the game. Um, you can't complain about it. The system is what it is. And if you want to change it, you are forced to play it and you are forced to play by their rules and in their game. And you just have to beat them at it. And we've done pretty well at that. You know, um, the other one was that we, uh, we had our business license revoked by the town and, you know, we weren't charging members anyway at the time because we were still officially under lockdown and we didn't, it wasn't about the money. You know, we weren't, we knew people would help us. We knew people are inherently generous and giving, and we didn't want to charge people that weren't going to be there or didn't believe in what we were doing, mm -hmm. um, even though most did. Um, so they took our business license back and we sued the township uh, and we lost and we lost and we lost and we lost and we lost. And one day the mayor walked in um, or the mayor, excuse me, contacted our lawyers and basically said like, how long are these guys going to keep this up for? And he said, like, I, we're on like year two. What do you mean? Like it's, it's clear that they're not going to stop. And, and he basically said to the attorneys, he's like, I, we don't, the town doesn't have the financial means to continue fighting this. And I can't justify it to the taxpayers. any longer. So they folded. So we are operating as a normal business uh, after two years of not charging. Um, so that's a good feeling. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> That's all we. That's all we wanted to do from the beginning, which is be a, a normal business that we left alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we just have, like I said, we have the municipal citations that we have to wrap up, and and you know it'll it'll probably get all dropped because they're not rushing to get it done, and yeah. you know we do have a right to due process and to a speedy trial, even though they try to ignore our constitutional rights these days. Um, and then there's an appeal process for all of the fines. Um, you know, they, they wound up taking $200,000 from our bank account and awarded themselves $2 million or something in fines. So we're appealing that and, um, you know, we'll get there. Um, but yeah. the most important thing to us was that we stood up, we stood our ground, we drew yeah. that line and we said, we will absolutely not close our business um, because you have no authority to do so. Um, and you guys are a bunch of fucking liars anyway. Um, so... <laughs> It's true. My language. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, it was, and that was our thing. It was like, if there was sufficient reason to shut down, you know, if, if those videos that we saw in the early days of coronavirus, where like you saw people from like China, just like dropping dead in the streets and like bodies stacked outside of hospitals, if they, if they were actually real, um, you know, we would have, we would have shut down. Um, right. But we, we found out very early on that the information that we were being fed to by our own government um, was tainted um, mm -hmm. and that the information that the media was portraying was sensationalized, just you know, nonsense, as it always is, and that the threat was actually far, far less um, than what we were being told and that you know, they were using it in typical government fashion anytime there's some sort of emergency, whether they create it themselves or... Uh, it just so happens to pop up. Government loves to use these instances to crank down and expand their powers. Um, and anybody who knows history knows that once they get power, they're very, very slow um, <laughs> to relinquish it. So, if ever, if ever, if ever. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. You have, you have to pry it out of their hands, essentially. Yes, exactly. What would you say are looking back on the past few years are some of the biggest lessons that you learned, or things that really surprised you? Um. You know, biggest lessons learned, you know, as far as like personally goes is, um, you know, never, never doubt your own ability to have incredible impact on the world around you. 
you know, I think, and I can speak for myself when I say this, but I'm probably speaking for others is that, you know, we have this idea that like, you're only one person. Right. Uh, and if two and a half years ago, you would have asked me if I would have had the impact um, on people's lives that I have. And I've been so fortunate to hear about it uh, and to be told some amazing stories by people about how they've been inspired by what we did or how we led them to open their business or, um, you know, I, the, the dentist that I go, the dentist that I go to now, um, you know, his business was open, but when it came time for a vaccine mandate, you know, he was inspired by what, by what we did. And he said, I won't do that to my employees. So, Yay! you know, it's, you know it's, it's stuff like that is so, it's so powerful because you never know who's watching you. You never know who's inspired by what you're doing. You never know what you can do until you sort of put, you know, rubber to the pavement and, um, and try, you know, and right. Like I said, two and a half years ago, you would have asked me, I would have said, nah, I'm just, you know, I'm just one guy. Um, right. But the truth is um, you're much more powerful than that. And there's absolutely nothing special about us. We are just determined not to lose. You know, there's no, there's no secret sauce. There's no um, quality that, that we have that others, you know, can't at least work on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we just, we weren't going to be pushed around and, um, you know, it was scary and it was really intimidating, but we learned that we are so much more powerful than we ever imagined. And I think that's at least one of my biggest personal lessons for that. Um, you know, but something I was surprised about is that a lot of people are very helpless. Um, you know, like everybody, everybody wants somebody else to fix their lives. Um, yeah. and I, and I can say that not as an insult to people, but as somebody who personally used to act like that. Mm -hmm. um, where it was like, you know, I never wanted to fix my own problems. Um, and I always thought like the remedy was going to be somebody else. And, and right. in America, we had this idea that like the government is going to fix all of our problems, uh, whether you're on the right or the left, you know, nope, the right I, does, you're right. Just, just as much as the left, it's like, oh, you know, everybody's so hyped up about their favorite politician. And it's like, you know, these people at the end of the day, you know, most of them are not interested in saving you. Um, right. That's, that's just a, it, that's not like a bad reality that, that can be really empowering, you know, because if you, if you look at the thing I just said, where you're more powerful than you imagine, I mean, then you combine these two ideas that, Hey, nobody's coming to save you. And you mm -hmm. can't be like a helpless idiot. Like you have <laughs> to be in control of your life. You have to be willing to step up and sacrifice, uh, and sometimes hurt, um, and sometimes lose, yeah. Um, to protect what is yours. Um, and, and people, it was just very surprising to both of us. You know, we thought we were going to open up um, and we were going to like take a couple punches and then people were going to be like, oh, wait, like I'm opening my business too. And the reality is, is that an overwhelming majority sat by um, and waited even with like just the hypocrisy, the in-your-face hypocrisy that politicians were were just flaunting um, yeah. and even when confronted with like the realest and most concrete evidence that like hey you're being screwed here um, people still kind of sat idly by and a lot of people lost you know a, an entire life's work you know we know we know businesses that were in the third and fourth generation of a family that went under and it's like that is truly tragic um, yeah. it's truly tragic a that that business was lost because you know, somebody's great grandparents somewhere down the line that like, really busted their ass to start that. And, um, but it was even more shocking to us that people were willing to let it go. 
you know, the only way that you were going to close our doors is if you pried it from our cold, dead hands. You know, we got taken out there in cuffs and we broke right back in. Um, my business partner at one point, um, you know, we took the doors off of the hinges so that they couldn't come lock us. You know, we stayed in the gym for 47 days and 47 nights without going home um, because it was worth it, you know, because right. the alternative was they're going to take our business. Um, you know, and we didn't, we barely saw our families during that time. And we barely saw our families, you know, during the two year stretch, but they didn't take it from us. And, um, and they learned their lesson because every time they came to us, they walked away with a black eye. Um, and it was just really surprising that other people didn't feel that way, especially as, um, you know, a, a, as a small business entrepreneur, I know how hard it is to mm -hmm. run a business. It is not easy. Granted, it's one of the best things you can do. It's liberating. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. It's, you get to do what you're passionate about and help people. But I was so shocked when I didn't see people fight for what they built. Like yeah. you'll fight, you'll fight to succeed in a, in a business environment that is cutthroat and saturated with competition, but you won't fight when somebody's taking your lunch money. Um, like it just, it, that really, really shocked me. And I can only hope that God forbid this ever happens again, that people will not be so shy to jump in the water. Um, even yeah. when the water's really cold. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hope, I really hope because I, I don't think we've seen the end of, you know, potential tyrannical measures. So I, I really, don't think so either. You know, <laughs> unfortunately I, i'd like to be wrong about that so yeah i would love to be but I, I, I think i agree with you there but so you are running for congress so my question is uh what made you decide to do that and i'm also curious about your political journey because you were saying that you've you know kind of been in and out of politics you've watched and then you talked about how you know both sides seem to have this uh you know, proclivity towards uh, relinquishing uh, powers and uh, autonomy. So, so I actually just wrapped up my primary last month, and uh, unfortunately, yeah. I came in second in the race. Uh, I got forty percent of the vote. It was a three-way primary. Um, the okay. GOP establishment pick, um, the Rhino of the group, obviously, outspent both of us by a, wow. a ten-to-one margin, um, and he yeah. did come out on top. Um, I got 40%. The other guy got, uh, I think he got 13% and the rest went to the, to the rhino. So unfortunately the congressional run has come to an end, but it was, uh, it was an amazing experience. It really was. Okay. Um, it taught me that politics is much dirtier and nastier and broken than I had even imagined. Um, I, I say that not, not in a pessimistic way, but just in a very realist way. Um, our system is, is, is very flawed. Um, there is way too much money to be made in the system. Uh, and there's way too much money to be made keeping the status quo. And uh, both the left and the right are, are very, very guilty of that. Um, you know, in my opinion, the bulk of what is in the GOP is worse than uh, the, the radical left, because at least with the radical left, you know what these people's intentions are. You know, the, the GOP, I like to call them professional losers. Um, they always come up short. You know, they never stop the radical agenda. They're always compromising. I say um, they're controlled opposition for the left. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it, and, and not all of them. There are some, there are sure. some good ones. 
there are some good ones in there, but the, the majority of the GOP establishment, especially the people that nobody knows their names, uh, the party chairs in the counties in, at the state level, um, your, your politician or your, your, you know, your sort of um, your shakers and movers from within the party, not so much the political um, or excuse me, the politicians are really the problem um, because these people are making money hand over fist. They don't care if they win elections because they still get paid. Um, and they're very, they're very content with the status quo because the Republicans know uh, that at some point in the near future, the left is going to volley the ball back over to the other side and they'll have their, their, you know, their little bit of time in the sun uh, where they get to steer the ship in their direction a little bit. But the reality is that both of these parties are taking us in the same direction. Big government, reckless spending, um, and never addressing the real problems. I mean, the left and the right have been arguing about the same five issues uh, for years. You know, right. we've, we've been arguing about abortion for years. We've been arguing about gun control for years. Um, you know, we've been arguing about immigration for years. And the reality is, is that they like those issues because they can hypercharge them with emotion and they can divide the people right down the center. Um, whereas if we were to look at, you know, say 50 political issues, I would say that most people, both on the left and the right, would probably tend to agree with each other and then disagree on these couple of sort of hot button issues like gun control and abortion. And these people have been playing with these issues, not creating solutions for years. You know, they gain a couple inches on one side, we gain a couple inches on the other. And it's back and forth and back and forth. And the, the reality is, is that government continues to grow. It continues to be more intrusive into, in our lives. Americans are uh, ever-growingly independent upon this big system of government. Um, and nothing really changes. Um, it's just, you know, it's just, is your team, you know, in charge or not? I always go back to, I don't know if anybody's watched South Park watching the show, um, but there was a very old episode from when I was younger and it was, they were picking a school mascot. Um, and the choices between the school mascot was a douchebag and a turd sandwich. Um, and that's, and it was, a, it was a play on, you know, the, the political system. Sure. Because what Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. What happens is, in your primary elections, and this is something that I learned, uh, primaries are, are the most important thing um, yeah. because that, who did, that is who determines who is the fighter on your ticket. And right. nine times out of 10, it's the establishment pick. And that establishment pick is, is going to tell you whatever that you want to hear, yeah. um, how he's going to go to DC and he's going to be a fighter and they're going to run millions of dollars worth of advertisements with high production budgets just kind of playing the game, slandering each other back and forth. Um, and these, both of the picks, the, you know, the Democrat pick and the Republican pick at the end of the day are the establishment pick. So they're going to get in and they're going to do exactly what the establishment wants. Right. Um, and that's, that's continuing trend of growing government. So I, I really learned how important the primary process really is because if you, uh, as a candidate, um, as a regular candidate, not a career politician, not some mm -hmm. establishment, you as a regular, um, you know, 
whether it's at the local level and you're a, a local dad or a soccer mom, you know, running for uh, board of education, or you're, you know, you're swinging for the fences, going for a federal position. If you have the ability to get into that on, on that ticket, you do have the ability to make some really, really major change, but it is just, they make it incredibly hard because they hold most of the cards. Um, and, and that's something that Americans need to pay much more attention to coupled with that, with the fact that primary, you know, primary turnout is like 15% of registered voters. And that's just, that's wow. Just, yeah, I didn't know that. It's that low. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it varies year to year, depending on, you know, if it's a presidential election or whatever, but we had a 15% turnout in, in New Jersey. And it's like, man, if we could just change that and, and double that number, make it 30% of people who really want to see change and who are really interested in the problem is most people are really upset with the way the country is going, but they're just yeah. tuning out, you know, whether it's they're too busy or they're frustrated yeah. or they're not educated on it. Um, and then we go to the general election and we choose between our school mascots. Um, and the reality is, is that neither one of them is a good choice, but there are a ton of candidates who are, whether they are third party or whether they are somebody like myself or many of the other people who step up both on the left and the right um, and try to try to break through that wall. You know, so if we want to see improvement in our in our politics, we have to start. You can't just pay attention in the two months leading up to the to the general. You know, you have to you have to educate yourself about your candidates. You have to take time out of your day um, to go to your local town event uh, during primary season and go talk to those candidates um, and go talk to other voters and see what they're thinking um, and support those, these candidates. The problem with being a grassroots candidate is it's very hard to gain traction um, and it's even harder to gain money. And at the end of the day, elections cost money. They are not cheap to run, even when you run them low budget. Um, so, but that's something that we can change. And that requires sacrifice on our part as, as citizens. You know, if we want to have a free country that operates the way it's supposed to, that does come with a little bit of work. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's just something that we have to get used to because for a really long time, Americans have just mind their business because you could pay it, you could not pay attention to politics and it didn't dramatically affect your life. Um, but all of a sudden when the government decides that it wants to lock you in your home, you know, then it's like, oh crap, maybe I should pay attention to what these idiots are doing. Um, <laughs> and how did we get here? Um, you know, so I, I don't say that as like a, I don't say all of that as like, oh, you know, the system is hopeless um, because there's a lot of, there's a lot we can do, um, but we have to be prepared to step up and do something about it. Um, and then the last thing about politics I learned is that most of the most of the problems that we face as Americans are not ones that are going to be solved with political solutions. Um, we have a cultural problem and culture is downstream of politics and people need to start investing into the cultures of their families, of their communities and of their country much more, because the reality is, is that, you know, when we just rely on the government to like legislate, uh, one side winds up being upset, you know, and that just creates this back and forth division. Whereas if we can learn to come together culturally, like say on the issue of gun control, um, and we spend time talking to each other and changing the culture uh, to where we're not at each other's throats um, and we're trying to understand the concerns of the other side and 
you know, trying to come to sensible and workable solutions that that change the culture um, yeah. and that change our communities. That is the real change um, because it doesn't leave one side feeling marginalized. Um, yeah. it, it leaves leaves both sides somewhere in the center, and they may not be a hundred percent happy with the outcome, um, mm -hmm. but they're going to be much more happy than if it was a all or nothing approach um, like we usually get. Yeah. Wow. What do you, do you think that there is much hope for people to get more involved? I, I mean, that's one of the things I always urge people. I don't have much hope for, you know, uh, federal politics, but I think locally is where we have some sort of power to effectuate change. And it'd be great Absolutely. to see people getting involved locally. Absolutely. And that's, and that, that's something I've really witnessed. You know, I swung for the fences um, and tried to go to a federal position because I had the platform and the name um, and I could I could really get the funding, um, you know, much, at least much better than your average grassroots person group. But along the way, I learned that local politics uh, is, is everything. Um, because if you can, if you can at least get a solid foundation there, then you can kind of work your way up. You know, you, you're not going to, you're not going to bother Nancy Pelosi by jumping and waving your hands at her. <laughs> um, because the, the fact is that she doesn't give a shit. She does not care what you say. She doesn't mm. care what stories are run about her in the news, what you post on her about your Instagram, what you say about her on Facebook. She could care less. She's eating right. her expensive ice cream, doing her insider trading, and nobody's yes. going to stop her. Right. Um, but that's because we're all the way down here and we're like jumping, trying to get up here. If we can build like a local level of politics that has a solid foundation, you know, yeah. then we can think about really changing the state level politics. And once we change right. state level politics, now we're in arm's reach of, of changing federal policy. Um, but it does, it starts at the local level uh, for a lot of reasons, because it is much more manageable to get in. Um, and it's, you can just create much more meaningful change at least in the short term. Um, so yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. And I think, I think for people who do feel discouraged um, or even people who just thinking, hey, maybe I'll get involved. Focus on what's going on in your community first, um, because that's that's where real change happens. It's it mm -hmm. starts with the individual. It starts with each of us uh, being better, stronger people that are less reliant on government, that are more able to say no. Um, you know, I learned that quite yeah. a bit. It's like a lot of people didn't have or or felt like they didn't have the ability to say no because their their job was tied to it. You know, I can't can't even tell you how many times I've heard like, oh yeah, you know. I support you, but you know, like I can't be public about it because of my job. Well, that's a really shitty position to be in. Yeah. Um, and that should be motivation for each and every individual to become financially independent. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot you can work on. You can be more fiscally responsible. Um, you can open up a business. You can have multiple streams of income. You can do all these things. Um, and when you get in that position where you have the ability to say, no, I don't need you. Um, it's much easier to tell these people to get lost. Right. Um, so it starts with the individual. And, and if we have strong individuals, we have strong families. And if we have strong families, we have strong communities. And then it just kind of builds from there. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. Such a great message for people. So I know we, we don't have much time, but I know you have a book that's possibly releasing. So you want to tell us a little yeah. bit about it? Yes. So, um, so we have been in the process of writing a book along with a co-author for almost the entire time. Um, so that's the Chronicle 
of the uh, of the events that happened at Attilus, kind of from the inside, from our perspective, from the perspective of the members. It's kind of the full uh, unabridged story, um, as well as a little bit of backstory about who we are and where we came from, and you know what events sort of shaped us into the people that were willing to say no. You know, we're not closing our gym. Um, as well as, you know, some, some details about the congressional race and what it's like to run in politics and um, along with some other stuff as well. You know, there's some interesting life stories along the way and uh, it has taken much longer. You know, we, uh, we did a pre-sale like almost a year ago. And um, as we're writing the book, it was just so hard to wrap up because the story went so much longer than we thought it was going to. And there was like never a place to end. Um, but we finally <laughs> found a place where we can kind of cut it off where everything gets tied up. Um, so we're just in the process of, of kind of uh, finishing the last couple pages and tying it up. And then we'll do the editing process and it's uh, it'll be ready to go to print. And we're, we're super, super excited about it. Yay, awesome. Well, I will be on the lookout for it. My last question for you is, what do you feel you've learned from uh, like being an athlete movement that has carried you through all of this? So um, that's a good question. So I got into working out at a very, very bad time in my life. Um, anybody who knows the extent of my backstory, when I was, uh, when I was 20 years old, I was involved in a motor vehicle accident in which the driver of the other vehicle lost their life. Uh, this motor vehicle accident was entirely my fault. Um, it was a combination of reckless driving, you know, being a 20-year-old idiot on the road, um, as well as there still being alcohol present in my system from a night of drinking um, in which I didn't drive. So being young and dumb, I woke up, you know, not even thinking and got in my car and, and caused a horrible motor vehicle accident. And as a result, um, I wound up doing five years in prison. And um, I started working out after the accident because I had never really cared about working out. I never really cared about my body, about my health. Um, and for no reason other than maybe dumb luck, um, I walked away from the accident relatively unscathed and there was really no reason why I didn't. Um, I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. There was no airbag that deployed. Um, wow. the, the accident was not just a fender bender. It was, it was a high speed accident. And I walked away from it relatively unscathed and I, I came out of it, you know, obviously, traumatized, but I came out, out of it also very thankful and grateful um, that I was, for some reason, you know, not a casualty. And uh, that's when I started getting into working out and I became very fascinated with what my body could do uh, if I sort of give it the love and the attention uh, that it deserves and treat it like the, like the beautiful biological machine that it is. Um, and that's kind of started my journey. And it was the first time I had ever done something in my life that was like a long, endless process. Like I, I never, I never achieved anything like major, you know, leading up to that. It was always kind of doing the bare minimum. And all of a sudden I had this project that had these great rewards, um, but required me to work really hard and to stay dedicated and to stay loyal to it and to be humble and to learn um, and to stay learning and to stay hungry and to figure out how to be, uh, how, to, how to operate when there's no motivation. Um, so it taught me, it taught me most of, I think, what are my good qualities today? Wow. You know, it taught me, taught me the value of hard work 
And it also taught me the rewards of hard work. And that, that kind of carried over and spilled over into many areas of my life. And, you know, that's why I got into training. You know, when I got out of prison, people told me to get a real job. Um, but I had just become so enamored um, with, with what I had done with my body and how I had gone into prison pretty much as a boy um, and truly come out a man and not just in a physical sense, um, but coming out sort of much older and wiser and stronger, not only physically, but mentally, because it really, it, it fixed me more here than it did physically. Um, and, and that's, that's why I got into the, the health and fitness space. And that's why I stay here because it's, it's, it's so important and it's so empowering for people to learn. And you know, one person I can share it with is, is um, you know, one that I want to. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I always say movement is like a metaphor for life. And I think that, yes. you know, physical training can be a teacher and a tool to teach you how to overcome adversity in all areas of life. So, Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, it's not easy. It's not yeah. easy. <laughs> roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. If you want it, you're going to have to earn every little bit of it. Yeah, but it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I thank you so much for being here and for sharing all of this and your, your whole journey with me. And I would love to do this again at some point. I have many more questions for you, but I want to be respectful. Sure, sure. We can do it uh, after the book launches. We can, we can uh, do it again. We can address awesome. all your questions. And we'll, we'll chat about the book and stuff like that. Awesome. I would love that. Perfect. Right. <laughs> all cool. right. We'll keep in touch. And thank you very much for having me on. And thank you for being here. <laughs>